body. You know, America's all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Behind the Mask. I'm Ryder Dosevich, joined alongside Jacob Stinson and Jacob Phillips. Gentlemen, we got a heck of a series to break down, but before we jump right into that, how the heck are you boys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm kind of exhausted over this uh, Penn State series. I end up, in total, probably writing just a little under 3,000 words Ooh. worth of article content um, over the past weekend, so... Uh, it's nice to have a little bit of a bye week for uh, to get some break and recoup a little bit, but still. I'm I'm patiently awaiting tomorrow night because currently fixated on Hurricanes hockey and going like four days without a game is too much. <laughs> Welcome to the world of college hockey where you got to wait a whole entire week. Yeah, I'm not even gonna lie. I have not watched. I can't recall the last time I've sat down and watched like a full Blues game. Dang, uh, I just haven't had the time, man. See, I don't see now. I've got class yeah. Tuesday, Thursdays at night, and work like you know, sixty percent Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So I'm 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 sneaking some some hockey every now and again uh, if there's a break, but very limited this semester. There's not enough time in a day to watch enough hockey, and that's just a fact right there. True. If you're a hockey fan, you can relate. That's which is why, in the background, I am randomly streaming the Bruins Islanders game that's happening right now. Ooh, I don't know. It's like just Bruins started. Bruins are wagon. Anyways, we're talking MSU hockey. We're bringing it back here. Dang right, we are. This, oh my god, this this series. I'll I'll probably say this at least five times on the podcast today. The greatest series of college hockey I've seen in Mun, like two game series stretch by far. Like the entertainment value, the electricity in the stadium, how the games played out. It was just it 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 was rejuvenating. It was awesome. Yeah, I'm trying to think even as far as like what all to compare it to, as far as the series go, and I'm trying to think in my mind. Okay, what MSU sweeps are there? There was the Ohio State one earlier this year. Uh, but like even that one was fun. But but like crazy. even then, like MSU was still unranked. People didn't think the team was still going to be like any good. Um, realistically speaking, um. What's really like, weird... The hype wasn't quite there yet, but I don't know. For me, at least... Sorry, I'll let you finish in a second. But um, I don't know, because I'm trying to think. And then I'm like, shoot, when was there an MSU no. sweep before that? No I'm other like, series. There probably wasn't. One. I yeah. think... I'm going to break it up a little bit. The last time I saw the energy in Mun like this was actually when they hosted Minnesota. At least for that first game, which is still... I think the only still the only time I've seen a, a wave actually in Mon like go all the way around. Well, what about, I mean the the Michigan game, though. the Michigan game. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't remember seeing a wave during there. The well, I don't know about the wave necessarily, but like you know, just the crowd and the energy and things like yeah, that. The wave is just like a couple of drunk students going like, "Okay, guys, let's go, let's go," and then it, it gets yeah. going, you know. Um, <laughs> and just, but in general, I think like Minnesota. But I I, I will agree the level of play was that of that first and, and second Michigan game. Even though Michigan State lost at Yost, the quality of play from both teams, both wanted it, and they were just fighting it out all three periods. So I would I will say that that Michigan Michigan State series is probably the closest, and Minnesota with that atmosphere. I mean, 
the the wave is seldom seen at Mon. <laughs> you're being you're being persuaded by the wave right now. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we got so yeah MSU hockey. We we're gonna break this uh, this past series against Penn State down both games. Going into extra time, one of them ending in overtime, the second game ending in shootout, and goodness gracious, where do I start? I'll I'll just kind of recap the first game, and then we'll go wherever we want to go with it. So, first game, it's a three to two overtime win for Michigan State. There were ten penalties called on Michigan State, thirty nine minutes of penalty minutes, five on Penn State for ten penalty minutes. It was a scoreless game till late in the third period. Penn State got on a five-on-three man advantage. Jared Crespo, their defenseman, netted his first of the year. And then in the third period, early on, did I say it? Oh, I thought you said third period when you meant second. Oh, okay, sorry. First goal, Jared Crespo, second period, lightened that, broke the scoreless game. Early on in the third period, PSU goes up uh, another goal with another five-on-three man advantage. So they're up 2-0. And it, in my mind, I'm like, how does MSU get back into this game? David Gucciardi gets thrown out. Five-minute game misconduct. He's gone. Cole Krieger at some point took a 10-minute misconduct that I thought was a game misconduct, but it was only a 10-minute. So he came back for yelling at the refs. And then Eric Minendorf gets one goal eight minutes into the third. Jagger Joshua, first goal on the weekend. We're going to talk a lot about him. Ties it up with about seven minutes to go. And then Cole Krieger in overtime, taking it pretty much the whole entire way, skating circles around Danny Geneva and company, uh, just ending it in overtime. Beautiful top shelf near side goal and Mona Rupp's 3-2 overtime winner Friday night. What's up? Yeah, I don't know. That Cole Krieger penalty I thought was really funny at the time because when it happened in real time, what I thought had happened was like right when he gets called for the, what it was like a hooking or something like that, um, he like the moment he touches the puck when the ref blows the whistle, uh, he kind of just like throws it away, like kind of chops it away and goes into the corner. Uh, but the ref is standing like directly in the corner, and it's like it comes within like probably like, three feet of hitting the ref, probably. So I thought like, oh, maybe he, he that he's doing that on purpose to kind of like, you know, express his frustration at the ref. And I'm like, oh, if he's doing that, yeah, he deserves to get thrown out. But um, and I thought he did get thrown out, and then, yeah, yeah, me too. See him back out there later on the ice. Turns out he's not. I'm thinking to myself, what had happened then? And then, yeah, he said post game basically he just told the ref like to put away your whistle because he was you know, they, the refs well, were with a little little expletive thrown into the middle. There, a little bit of spice, <laughs> a, a sentence enhancers. One one to get him ten minutes. <laughs> um, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, hey, shout out to him though for coming back. Even after that, because you know, with MSU just getting as you know down as they were, especially on defense, there was the one point where they were down to four defensemen. Um, yeah, they're for about I want to say like the last five minutes of the second period and first. Well, oh wait, no, they, no, Gucciardi was out. Like the first five minutes of the third period after the Gucciardi, yeah, they were down to four four yeah. defensemen until Cole Krieger came back. Like mm-hmm. like fifteen minutes into the third or something. Don't remember all the numbers. Yeah. And then he can't, yeah, comes back out and then overtime fires the beautiful game winner. High short side on the blocker, oh. top shelf, just it, it was beautiful. He called game, he did Straight call game. And it was funny, um, even then because what was it? Because he was just telling us about it right before we started. Um, if you listened to the podcast last year, if you didn't, I don't blame you. There wasn't much to talk about with that team, <laughs> but um, 
former former behind the mask co-host Cam McLaren uh, was tell like basically had turned to us uh, the moment Cole Krieger touched the puck um, in overtime and just said weapon like just talking about like you know talking about Cole uh, and like three seconds later you know it's the pirouette top shelf thing and it's just it, it was funny but it was that was just such a beautiful play man I don't know like I don't even know what to say about it. Yeah, it was really crazy. During that last like few minutes of three-on-three, three, Michigan State really took over control of the ice, whereas, you know, especially for those first two periods, you saw Penn State kind of dominate play. And by the end, you just see Michigan State constantly have someone go up, shoot the puck, come back, go back on the bench, basically shoot and reload players, getting different fresh skates on the ice constantly. And at the end, you know, Cole Krieger, probably a lot of frustration with the refs in that game and just in general just puts it in the back of the net and just says, you know what, I'm going to end this game. There's something else I want to say about that Cole Krieger goal. The two assists, Zach Dubinsky and Justin Jalen, two guys that really don't light it up on the score sheet, mm-hmm. just kind of system players that have been playing well. That says a lot from Nightingale to put those two guys out there with Cole Krieger, mind you, who who hasn't really had an offensive game until this year he has a little bit a little bit but it's really really developed this year so that says a lot on just nightingale and the team in general that they put those two guys out in overtime and they're the ones that end it so that's that's just something i want to note well i kind of actually i like that lineup construction actually quite a bit um like yeah i think as of right now that line of well it was last weekend dubinsky jallet and best um that i think that was actually the fourth line yeah. Uh, yep. But I personally actually really liked that line. I think all three of them kind of play like the same style. Yeah, they they're not like huge goal scorers or like, you know, they're not going to deke through the entire defense or anything like that. But they're very smart players. They're very like sound players, um, fundamentally speaking. And, you know, they're, they're one of the people where it's like you can trust them to not make the stupid play. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's what's most important with them. Because especially when you're in a three-on-three overtime, one stupid turnover and congrats, break away and going the other way. Um, and, you know, if a, a guy like Dubinsky and Jalen, like, they're not going to make that turnover. And while they're not necessarily, you know, goal-scoring threats out there either, you've got Cole Krieger out there who very much is. Um, so at least at that point after the game, that tied him for the team lead in goals. But yeah, and I, I gotta I gotta bring up some other thing that should should have brought up earlier, but whatever. Uh, Tucker Jesse Tucker was scratched for this whole series. I actually caught up with him during one of the intermissions and asked him like, "Hey, are you injured or something?" He's like, "No, just you know, got scratched." So it seemed like you know he didn't really want to talk about it, which makes sense. But he's he's fine. He's he's not injured or anything, and he was scratched. So actually, Ryan Nolan uh, kind of elevated into lineup as the extra skater. He didn't actually have a shift i don't think i was gonna say i only really remember seeing him ever uh, going to the box to, to basically serve <laughs> the, what, the two bench miners they got <laughs> yeah over the weekend <laughs> and the um the miners for cole's two and ten or gucciardi's five and game yeah that's i felt i felt a little bad for him but the other guy though that actually got a role because of that jesse tucker scratch you, you mentioned it gavin best and that fourth line of Best, Duminsky, and Jalen, they looked good. And yeah. Best looked like he gelled with, like, 
he looked like he belonged in that line, and it was only like his third game plate of actually fully playing the game. Yeah, and that's the thing with Best that I actually do really like because I, you know, during the games and I was live tweeting, I was tweeting, you know, the praises of Gavin Best in that line for a little bit. Um, yeah, he's kind of the same way in with Jalen and Dubinsky of he doesn't really play like a freshman. You know, he's in the sense like, the same mold of player of like, he's not necessarily, you know, lighting the world on fire offensively. Obviously he doesn't have a point yet or he doesn't have a goal yet at least. Um, but you know, he's making a lot of really smart plays away from the puck, um, playing good defensively kind of always seems to know where to be the right spot. Um, and I think that's really important. And I, uh, something that I definitely took notice of and liked, um, he did actually have a few very good chances on net, though. Oh yeah, uh, just, he had a breakaway at one point. It was kind of. It wasn't like a. Oh true, yeah, no, it was. He he it got. It was pretty close. Was it, yeah, yeah. Know, he was thought, pretty much all all alone once he got to the net, but yeah. good save. Yeah, but I mean, like he's had some really good chances. They just you know goals that have stopped them and all that. It was like a lot of them where it's like only a matter of time before like those kind of start those kind of um, shots start going in, which I uh, which yeah means bodes well for the rest of MSU hockey. Mm-hmm. And I mean, granted. It is it is hard when you get a breakaway. You're trying to get a goal past. You're talking about goalies like Soulier for Penn State, and I remember uh, Best went and played at Yost against Michigan. So you got Portillo there. Like he's had some good looks against some top tier goalies in college hockey this year. So he's looked good, especially for somebody who it says five games played. It some games. He didn't really play that much, maybe a shift or two, but he's he's looked good, and that's what you want to see from guys that step into the lineup. You want to see them gel. You want to see them keep up with the team, and hey, it's it's a good thing that we're talking about Gavin Best in a positive way, not a negative way after this weekend. But uh, some other things I want to note, Dylan St. Cyr, that in, in that game one, in that 3-2 overtime win, he was like kind of the unsung hero to me. 42 out of 44 saves, but when you look at all the time Penn State was on the power play, he w- he was looking at 5 on 4 and 5 on 3 for 10 20 minutes that game. That's that's hard as a goalie. That's when you're tested the most. That's when you got to move the most, get up, get down. That's when you you have those deep breaths after every faceoff and just, you know, lock in and get there. And Dylan Saints here only led in two goals that game. Both of them were on the 5 on 3. That's that is that is pretty hard as a goalie alone to you know defend a five on three, but both of the goals that went in kind of like you know Penn State just took advantage of the open ice because of the five on three and got into the back of net really not on Saints here. So somebody that we talked about in the uh, five game losing streak that has now been snapped. Obviously, Dylan Saints here looking a little shaky. He looked really good on Friday night for sure. Yeah, definitely, especially against an offense like Penn State's that just loves to pepper goalies with shots. Um, 44 in that game, yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. what was 39 the next night. So, yeah, uh, that's just how that's how Penn State operates, though. But um, yeah, no, he's he looked really good. He was putting together basically his own highlight mixtape uh, of his own just off that weekend. Oh my god! And then the one save, I forget who he robbed, but it was a mad scramble. Michigan State didn't have enough players back. Penn State had an extra guy, and right in, right on like the the circle of the far side face off circle, it's just it's Saint Cyr and him, and that's it. And Saint Cyr just dives out, Dominic Hasek type style, just gobbles the puck in his stomach and keeps it. I think at that point it was one zero, so it would have been two zero. 
And then if you really want to follow, it would have been 3-0. But hey, St. Cyr stopped that and the whole game probably changes, you know, butterfly effect and all that. Yeah, I think this weekend was definitely some of the most athletic saves I've ever seen from Dylan St. Cyr. And I mean, he's not short of athletic saves. He's done. He's had plenty of them this year. But when you've got Penn State with, you know, going on man advantages, not just in penalties, but also breakaways and being able to outskate defensemen at times, just because they're a fast hockey team, Dylan St. Cyr really put in a lot of work, and it really does show. So anything else? Game one, 3-2 overtime winner come from behind. They were down 2-0, tied it up at 2, like I said. Overtime, Cole Krieger, just calling game. What a Then we can talk about another game where they also came back down from two goals. <laughs> and let's just jump right into that. Uh, game two on the weekend slate. I, I thought for sure Penn State was going to pull it out. And uh, it definitely looked like that. Uh, Penn State scores first. Uh, Muha ties it up on the power play. And then uh, late in the second period, or not late in the second period, pretty much midway through the second period, Penn State goes up to a 3-1 to one lead. And then it's... It's the Jagger Joshua show, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a lot about that. Uh, he nets two goals in the second period to tie it up at three. One of them a power play goal. Basically, both of them were just backdoor putbacks. Good plays. No, by the literally, team. I because I was because I wrote the recap for this one. Because my whole like angle on it was just uh, doing a whole little piece on that first line as a whole, and like what makes them click together so well, and you know, using this game as kind of like a microcosm of that. Um. Yeah, it was it was funny because I was going back comparing the tape of them. Like it's literally like the exact same pass from Dorward across yeah. the crease <laughs> to Jagger Joshua standing at the exact same spot on the ice, uh, making the exact same little tip in. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it's just crazy. It, it was funny, but um, yeah, that was kind of the thing. I was kind of I was trying to explain like everybody's roles on that line. And yeah, I mean, Jaggers is pretty easy to understand, but um, yeah, it's just funny. He, when he gets around the net, there you can't really do much to about it at that point. Yeah, he's got that that strength, and at this point, senior. I don't, I don't know his exact stats. Probably like six foot four, two thirty or something. I think but... he's six three, and I can look this up actually. He's six three, I know, because I wrote that. But... Six three, two ten. 210 he's yeah he's a big body to move in college hockey and with the uh the skill of Dorwart and Russell I mean you mentioned it Dorwart Fett I think Dor was a primary assist yeah he was a primary assist on both his primary assist on both but it was the movement of Dorwart and Russell that got Jagger Joshua free for that backdoor put in so sure Jagger Joshua was getting the goal tallies but you got to look behind the numbers and you could see that, yeah, Carson Dorward and Daniel Russell both set up those goals beautifully for him. Yeah, and but also Jackie to flip Joshua that on his head, job. though, too, to flip that on his head, they, they, uh, Dorward and Russell don't have that space to, this is something they had said, too. Dorward and Russell don't have that space to operate and, you know, work and really find a good passing lane to get Joshua the puck inside if the defense isn't so concerned about Jagger Joshua in front of the net because they can't move True. him off the spot. He's going to. He's basically drawing so much attention from the defense. It opens up the rest of the ice. It's the perfect storm. I'm basically giving away my article at this point. But whatever. go go read it. Read, read the article. Impact89fm.org. Yeah, I'm I not think. Doing anything right now. I think Jagger Joshua is a Michigan State forward that knows his role on the ice. Like Very you said, much. he has a specific spot he loves to stand in, and it's dangerous for any goalie because he's put up. He's put up goals against. You know, like I said, with uh, like I talked about with Gavin Best, 
against some of the best goalies, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country. And they're all from that spot, like right in front of the crease. And, you know, some of them are off the pass from door. But what I personally love seeing from Jagger Joshua is playing the rebound. I remember one goal specifically this weekend. I, I'm 90% sure it's game two, and I'm, I think it was that second one. But no, it was a it was a third. I know exactly what you're talking about. He yeah. shoots it. Soulier is able to grab it, and for some reason doesn't quite get a hold on it and drops it right back out in front of him, and he can see it. And Jagger Joshua is still in that same spot, and he just says, "All right, I'll put it right back," and ends up scoring. And Liam Soulier, I kid you not, just kind of like slams his stick on the ice because he knows that that's on him, and he just knows that he gave Jagger Joshua a goal. I, I, that's uh, I know which one you're talking about. That was his one goal from the first game. Oh, oh, that was I, from the first game. Yes, because then I, what, yeah, then what was his third goal? It was a tip in. Oh my god, I can't believe I confused those. See, four goals of Jagger Joshua on a weekend does get a it's little a, confusing. Yeah, it's a lot. In the it's hard to keep on track. <laughs> I only know this because I'm also staring at my article right now. Um, but still. okay, so it was game one. But I mean. It, it's the exact same spot. You go and you watch all the clips that you see on Twitter from BTN. It's all the same spot. He can play the rebound. He can play from the pass. Strong on the stick, yeah. It's dangerous. It really is dangerous for any goalie on any given day. Yeah, because you can't. I mean, yeah, if he, if he get you the issue is yeah, he needs to. If he if you can't, or if, if you stop him from getting. Let me rephrase this. It's very hard to stop him from getting him to his spot in front of the net. And once he gets there, you can't really do much about it to get him out of there. Um, it's kind of just a pray that he doesn't get it thing. Def- I, I love watching defenders. They'll go up to him. They'll push him. He'll yeah, push back. So the defender will leave guard at some open area, then come back. Like it, It's funny. If just if you actually just want to watch Jagger Joshua the whole game, you'll see it. It's, it's pretty hilarious sometimes. And that's how he got... One of his goals, he pushed uh, Penn State's captain, Paul DeNaples, away. And then right when DeNaples realized that, oh, shoot, he's unmarked back post. I got to get him. It was too late. And Jagger Joshua put it in. And speaking of that, we talked about he's got four goals on the weekend. He did complete the hat trick in the third period to tie it up back at four. Uh, Penn State did take the lead to make it 4-3. And then Jagger Joshua, 11 seconds later, tied up at four. So then, uh, obviously, both teams going into extra hockey. Overtime happened. Nobody scored. But then the shootout, Michigan State gets Tanner Kelly. And then first Josh was linemates. Yeah, Tanner, Tanner Kelly, which beautiful. The same move he did against, I think, UMass Lowell the same move on the he does penalty. Like every time one of Forehand, backhand, like roofs it. Beauty. And then Carson Dorwart, second one up. He scores. Daniel Russell, third one up. He scores. Penn State doesn't even have a chance to answer. It's a... Uh, it goes down as a 4-4 tie, but Michigan State gets the extra point. It In my book, it's a win, and it's a sweep, 100%. Oh, yeah. I don't like the whole quote-unquote tie thing. One of the things I loved from post-game is someone asked uh, someone asked Jagger how it felt, um, like if he wanted a chance to get another goal on the night in shootout. He's like, well, I would have, you know, <laughs> but he was in the box. <laughs> so he was joking the only thing keeping him from that uh, shootout line was being stuck in the box on a, on that last penalty he oh, took. Oh, yeah, because they took, yeah, took, took a slashing slash, call yeah. late. Oh, which, my God. Which he, he fully admitted to that he did was, slash him. So, yeah. But, uh, I mean, when you when you get a hat trick, two minutes isn't going isn't gonna to do anything. Uh, plus, he also said, like, you know, he's not exactly a, a, a big shootout guy. Yeah. 
not really his his Forte. uh yeah <laughs> that being said that being said jagger joshua does lead michigan state in goals scored now he does by by a good margin by too. a three goal margin he's got 11 second place is cole krieger with eight and then third place i think there's like a a tie for daniel russell and somebody else with seven Dort. probably yeah so it is so jagger first spartan to 10 goals this year is the second skater in the ncaa to have multiple hat tricks and <laughs> he leads michigan state in goals with 11 which I want to know. There's no way that I'm going to spend the probably hours of research for this, but I want to know the last MSU skater with multiple hat tricks in the season. Maybe Lewandowski. No, maybe. So, so last time, remember? Did anybody mention it? All I remember was after the game against LIU. Yeah. With with Josh was hat trick the first time. 2015. No, but they had said the first like hat trick by an MSU player was 2019 and it was Patrick Kotarenko. Oh, how about, so yeah. it, they don't know who would have been before that. 2015 was the penalty shackle. My bad. Whoops. Yes. Wrong wrong stat. Recalling the wrong stat. So, I don't know. What well, a chance it could be Kotarenko, but I don't really know. I want to find it out, but yeah, I'm not going to do the work. So, if anybody out there is really bored and wants to find out last time MSU skater has had multiple hat-tricks in a season, hit me up when you find out. That'd be cool. Yeah. yeah. No, I ain't doing that for you. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody got... out there save me. No, I'm kidding. That, uh, that's all good. Uh, Class time would argue. Yeah. Uh, that's that's when I do some of my stat research in classes when there's a lecture that I don't need to listen to. I'm just like, pull up the laptop. Okay, let's get cracking. Certified trade secrets. <laughs> uh, anything else on the game two, four to four shootout win? I don't really think so. No, I mean it's just They're, overall. Crazy. Ooh, the power play. MSU's power play that oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. zero and fifteen going into that game. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Zero and fifteen over the last fifteen or whatever. Over the last fifteen over the previous five games, they scored two power play goals in that game. And yeah, that, yeah. Because that I, I tweeted huge, basically something about it. It was huge. like, oh, because they just because they uh, they didn't score on this one power play they had, and I tweeted out, yeah, that now makes it like over the last sixteen for MSU now. Uh, and then, like five minutes later, oh, hey, guess what? The uh, Muka scored or whatever. And then, so uh, whatever. Uh, so I was like, tweeted. I, I basically like, quote tweeted, and I was just like, oh, I, have, I uh, apparently have a talent for jinxing myself. Uh, Muka um, won one, uh, whatever. And then, like five minutes later, I just go bump to uh, the that same tweet because they did it again on the same power play. And this was I remember looking up immediately after that. This was the first game Michigan State had where they scored multiple power play goals since game two against Miami of Ohio. Wow. Carson Dorwart had scored two power play goals in that one. That's that's a while ago. Uh, Actually, not too long ago. When, when, you, when you consider the one before that yeah. was LIU, uh, it's not, not as far back as you would think. But uh, I, I do have to mention uh, one of the more interesting sites – I already mentioned Soulier slamming his stick down after the one uh, goal by Jagger yes. Joshua. Well, he did it again in the shootout. That's, I missed that. I, I actually didn't see until I went back and watched the footage because I, I was too busy getting the, the hero shot on my phone of Russell after that shootout goal. Soulier broke his stick on yep. that. Oh, yeah, with the crossbar. Snapped it right on the crossbar after that. 
and that's when I was like, I wish <laughs> well, I had seen it. Four hundred bucks I went, gone. I, I, yeah, I was. I rewatched it as well because I think I was looking around at like the crowd and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was kind of funny because you could tell even he was like he was trying to break it and he mi- and he missed the first time. Like it didn't happen. Didn't that's crack. what I, I saw. It that didn't one. crack the first time. So and then yeah. he kind of had to pull it back out and then do it again. Uh, and I thought it was funny. Yeah, I saw that. I saw the it didn't break, and then on footage I saw it broken. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, wait, but I saw it didn't, but it's broken. That it's yeah, this is funny. Yeah, so uh, it it's all over Twitter. So whoever's listening can feel free to go and find it. Highly recommend because I mean, how often do you see a goalie break their stick on the road? Actually, more often than you think. Yeah, it depends. I went, through, <laughs> I went through a number of sticks in my day. As, as someone that really never watched hockey until about you know three years ago, uh, it was an interesting moment that I regret missing in person. So. See, I well, if you're a Blues fan, you see it happen pretty much every other week. One, shut up. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, two, I was talking from my own my own experience. Um, basically, I don't know. We also didn't exactly have like the same like budget and number of sticks on deck that you know. Yeah, dude, that's that's expensive. Yes. Well, no, so, like, the average college hockey player probably have, like, I would say, like, six sticks on, on deck at once. Um, we we carried, like, we carried two, um, and we didn't exactly have the um, the same, you know, athletics budget out there to where, you know, you can get, like, 20 of your of your stick. Um, and so they weren't exactly disposable, but I would break them every now and again from, you know, in in play because you know they would happen. A shot would hit it funny or something like that. Um, but no, if I like purposely did that, um, like did the soulier and like broke it over the crossbar or something like that, I might possibly have had to find a way to walk home. <laughs> uh, my parents would not have been having that. Be, be walking all the way back to Happy Valley. Well, I mean, yeah, for me at least, I have to walk across the other side of St. Louis on that. But I'm trying to think. I you mentioned that like. Your stick got broken off a shot. Obviously, we don't have NHL caliber goalie sticks, but like I haven't seen in college or in NHL a stick break off a shot. Depends on the material you use. Um, when I was in high school, like the all the rage with goalie sticks was this like it's called a foam core. Basically, it was like wood, but like um, it had like a kind of a foam core in the middle. I had one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and those were all the rage for goalies sticks at the time. Now, super light, super durable. No, they weren't. They kind of no. sucked. Yeah. Uh, but I had one of them, or a couple of them actually, um, because I liked the one I had was a CCM. But uh, yeah, and they did. Those were a thing for a while, and now they moved back to composites, um, which were always better, anyways. But whatever. This is a really lo- weird tangent. Yeah, we've got yeah, yeah, college we'll, hockey podcast. We'll bring it back. So it's still about hockey. FSU, five-game losing streak coming into this Penn State series. They obviously snapped that. They sweep Penn State in my books and, hey, in our books too. I'll speak for you guys. So whatever whatever worries you had about MSU, for me, they're gone. That, they'll be back if MSU goes on another five-game losing streak, but that's hopefully not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So now MSU. Uh, no, no contest this weekend. It's a bye week for them, so the rest of the Big Ten will be able to catch up on some games played that that they need to. Uh, Michigan State sits at number fifteen in the US USCHO polls, so back up to that number. Uh, their overall record, looking at 13, 11, and two, seven, seven, and two in the Big Ten overall. So not doing too shabby in 
a very, very tough league. And speaking of a tough league, we'll uh, we'll break down the standings of that league right now. Minnesota still sitting at number one. They're gonna be they're gonna be up there for a while. I my guess is they won't be on. They'll, no they'll be ca- no one's catching Minnesota. Yeah. They got uh, they got thirty four points in Big Ten play so far. A three way tie for number two because of all the the weird overtime situations that happened this weekend. So Ohio State, Michigan State, and Penn State all at twenty four points. But to note, Michigan State's got two games up on pretty much everybody in Big Ten. Actually, four games up on Michigan and Wisconsin, and we'll get to those in a second. But number five, it's Notre Dame, seventeen points. Number six, Michigan with fifteen points, and then number seven, Wisconsin. Six conference points. So looking at the the uh, rankings for them overall, that's the Big Ten standings. But now we're getting into the USCHO rankings. Minnesota is two. Did I did I accidentally? Yes, Minnesota yes. is number okay. two. Quinnipiac is number one. QPAC number one. Minnesota number two. Penn State's checking in at number six. So only moving down one, which is you thought you think there would be more, but at this point in the college hockey season, uh, two close games like that, you're not going to move more than a spot or two. And then uh, Ohio State checking in at number seven after the split against number eight, U of M. And then Michigan, like I said, number 15. And Notre Dame still chilling around there. They're not ranked. They're technically 21st, but it caps off at 20. So I'm not going to say they're ranked. And I I hope I don't. They've been 18, 19, 20 for too many weeks. And now that's kind of the same with Michigan State with 15, 16, 17. But, you know. Whatever. That's that's the Big Ten standings as a whole and the rankings as a whole. And uh, we would typically go into a uh, a preview of what MSU is going to face. But like I said, it's a bye week. So let's talk about some other stuff. Some news that just came out officially today. It may, maybe the news came out a couple of days. But now it's official. Mikey D'Angelo committed to Michigan State. Verbal, verbal commit, not signed. So... Right. Yeah, I think there's only one commit I know, like off the top of my head, that, that is has signed. officially signed so far, uh, and that's Trey Augustine, uh, the goalie. Uh, NCDP played for World Juniors, started for the U.S. And that's typical that most people haven't signed. Yeah, most people wait until yes. the signing date to sign. So that's not like holy crap. Why isn't all the all of these recruits signed yet? Uh, he just did it early, Augustine. That is. Yeah, but that's it. Um. But yeah, I mean, um, D'Angelo though. I mean, forward uh, from what Itasca, Illinois. I'm assuming. I actually don't know where that is. I believe it's around Chicago, but I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, played with Chicago Mission. I bl- I guess was originally committed to Arizona State. Um, because everything I'm read, everything I've read about him has said that. But I've, I don't know. I hadn't really seen him mention it like his own personal like profile. But a flipperuski. Hmm. Yeah, he he was he was originally committed to play for ASU. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a few, though, that Nightingale's like, been able to flip so far. Uh, like, some good level people, too. Um, what? There was, um, what's his face? Sturbach, Maxim Sturbach, um, who's, like, a borderline first-round defenseman talent, um, in this upcoming draft. Uh, he flipped from Vermont. Augustine was flipped from Michigan. Yeah, um, out of all schools, that's, yeah, that's gonna be that's cool. That's got a sting. And he did that, I, I wish. Well, and they did that before he even, like, played a game. Yeah, uh, before like MSU played a game with Nightingale, which I thought was kind of funny. But I thought that I th- at that point I thought that was a good good omen for things. But I mean, you look at uh, you know you look at Michael D'Angelo playing for NTDP while Nightingale was there, ranked number fifty five by NHL Central Scouting. Uh, 
And in 22 games for the Green Bay Gamblers, he's had 18 points. So okay, it, the the numbers they're not like, oh my god, this is amazing. But I mean, especially considering the state the team was in a couple years ago, and you look at this and think this is someone who has been flipped from ASU, has played with Nightingale before. Those are some of the and just overall his stats. It everything it looks positive for this recruiting season. And like you said, getting a lot more of like the actual official signings and commitments later. But uh I think this is this is really a good omen. Yeah, this this whole recruiting class. I know we haven't done like a big episode breaking it down because I was more in the off season when, you know, we weren't at Michigan State able to record in the studio on that, but Michigan State recruiting has been on a tear this I would say this calendar year, but now we're 18 days into 23. But ever since Nightingale and all of his coaching staff has been hired, they have been on an absolute tear. And it's just, it's good to talk about another recruit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a piece I'm working on as well, as I'm going to try and go a little more into at least, I'm, I'm debating on just like the top prospects that they're getting and just showing like where these guys are coming from or just maybe, or just focusing on the guys that are going to be here next year. Um, and I'm trying to figure out which direction I want to take it, but I'm basically I'm working on a piece for this week for some bi-week content on just recruiting and what kind of guys are coming in. Yeah, I think this is this is honestly the first year since I've been around, like in in the area at least, <laughs> um, where I'm actually excited to see what Michigan State recruiting has to offer. Um, I can't remember the last time I was excited for hockey recruiting season, but I'll also say. I'm just as excited to see the players that are still around next year and how they develop even further in the offseason. And I know it's kind of jumping uh, very much ahead. There's still a lot of good games left in the season. But there is, if the season were to end quite literally this weekend, there is a lot to look forward to, at least in terms of following this program. Yeah, and it kind of makes me a little jealous that I'm graduating this year and not, you know, I won't be able to stick around for the next couple years. Who knows, maybe straight out of graduation, I'll just get a job at MSU Hockey and see what happens. But it, this team, like, based off what they're doing just this year alone, this is these aren't these aren't Nightingale's recruits yet. This is this no, is Danton Cole's roster that the, Nightingale can, and company have the, the transformed. Only, the only Nightingale recruits that are on the roster right now um, – are if I'm correct, Dylan Saint Cyr, who quote unquote recruit transfer, transfer yeah, re- the transfer are basically yeah, he committed within like a day of Nightingale yeah taking the job. Um, the only freshman I know of that was on the roster and committed is Dorward. He was a late he was a late one, mm-hmm. uh, I, and it was kind of funny because uh, they did a video with him, I think right before break, um. They did like a little day of the life thing, I think, with him and Daniel Russell. Um, but they did a little thing where he talked about his recruiting process. And he said it was kind of funny just because like he wasn't really getting that highly recruited that much at all or anything like that. But like he gets a call um, from Nightingale. And basically the whole like recruiting process of like the first like phone call that he had had with Nightingale to him being signed took like two weeks. 
That's that's the nightingale effect right there. Which I thought was bada bing, bada boom. Which I don't know. I thought it was funny, which is kind of a, a little strange to go from, uh, you know, uh, never like having contact with this coach before to being officially signed, committed to play for a coach that hasn't even com- like coached a college game before at that point. Um, I don't know. It, strange move in uh, if you look at it in a vacuum, but obviously worked out pretty well. Nine Gale was good at persuading. I mean, yeah, and now the the one freshman he had to recruit is one of the best players on the team. So, yeah, in the first line center, just one of those gambles that you take, you have to, and yeah. pulls off. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he seems to. If there's one thing with Nightingale, he at least seems to have a good eye for talent. So, yeah, honestly, one season into that, and yeah, he's got a good eye for talent. You know, he knows what he's doing. Well, I mean, yeah, I think he also knows like just how to like, well, yeah, develop people and stuff. I think uh, the one if we're talking about development, especially the one quote that he had said last weekend, because I included an article again, um, that I thought was interesting was about what they did when they what they did about Jagger when they got to East Lansing, like basically saying like. They didn't really watch any film or anything like that on Jagger at all when they got there. They kind of just were looking at, like, what are the physical tools and, like, what kind of game style is he trying to play? What makes him good? Um, and basically it's like, yeah, we saw, like, a big, powerful guy that wants to play, like, a a powerful game. Uh, and they said, like, he had some better hands than I think people and even Jagger himself would really give credit for. Um, and that's what this, that's what they worked on. Yeah, and also we're giving a lot of credit to Nightingale. Obviously, the head coach he he receives a lot of praise, but the assistants also. I think the assistants. I I only could pull up the names of Jared DeMichael and Mike Towns. Yeah, both of those guys. I've heard like they are huge reasons of why these yes. people are uh, committing to Michigan State. Well, and it's it's a a lot of the development is with them too. Well, yeah, because that was kind of. I think he even Nightingale said that himself. Like, kind of the reason he wanted to bring guys like that along too was for you know, development and like being able to bring in high level recruits um, because you need that to compete in a conference like the Big Ten. Uh, Because if I'm correct, DeMichael came from UMass, if I'm correct. And I think Towns came from Clarkson. I think I have that right. But because I remember because DeMichael, I believe, is the one I don't I wouldn't say solely was responsible, but um, you guys might have heard of a defenseman that went to UMass. <laughs> pretty recently won the Hobie Baker there currently plays for the Colorado Avalanche number eight or something uh, yeah his you, first name is like a vegetable kind of yeah right uh, you might have heard of names Kel McCarr um, uh, but you know he's very good and uh, from what I've been told uh, DeMichael was fair played a sizable role in recruiting Kel McCarr to UMass because he did play in the kind of a weirdly not like not a top tier junior league in Canada um, before going to UMass. But I don't know. That's a, that's a separate thing. Also I, one more shout out. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I know I cut you off. Uh, Director of player development, Brad Fass. There we go. Credit to him too. There we go, Brad. I had to get you in. I'll, I'll add one more actually. Ooh. So I'll, I'll bring one more to the table. Uh, a name that I've heard, um, thrown around a lot this season is um will morlock yeah who's the you know basically strength and conditioning coach for michigan state and when you look at how physical this team has been able to play and how they've been able to compete with pretty much every team they've come up against 
I think the only game they really just seemed outplayed was Minnesota. Oh, and I was going to say game two Ohio State last time. but That too. Series in general. There, there was Minnesota. there there was a lot more issues against against Ohio State in that game. But there just were. in general, every other team because you know they also when they host Ohio State, they clearly they they looked better. They were. They were and the so, team. I think a lot of that. Uh, also, shout out to Will Morlock for just overall increasing the team's physical capabilities on and ice. conditioning yeah. too. Yeah, being able to skate a full sixty say, and sixty five at, th- at that play style too because. Like that's one yeah. of the things they harp, they harp on a lot. The the way the MSU plays, it's very up tempo. It's you know very physically demanding. You kind of have to be. They're basically trying to beat Penn State. They're a play, little bit trying to play, but similar. Not, a little bit, but I think problem. I think maybe a little more like defensively sound. I would say yes. Um, but I think a little a little less like discriminately like indiscriminately firing the puck at the net. Like Penn State likes to Smartly do. Smartly firing the puck on net it's, is I think how it's, I kind of describe yeah, it. Yeah, I would say it's a little more like, yes, push the pace, put uh, put the pressure on forechecking, but you know, you're going to get more goals if you get the puck to the inside. So if take as many shots as you can from in close and get get the puck in close as well as you can. I don't know. That's a separate tangent, though. But yeah, I agree. I, I agree with what you said, though, about, um, you know, the strength and conditioning and a lot being a huge thing for this team because especially as the season goes on, you're gonna that that's where the strength and conditioning really starts to come out. Then, yeah, kudos to the whole coaching staff. I'm, I'm kind of glad we highlighted that because we never talk about them. But yeah, they they deserve a lot of credit. So oh, much Nigel deserves it. They I know, deserve it too. Because we're already, I know we're kind of past the whole Mikey D'Angelo recruiting tangent. But I, for a fun little tidbit, uh, I believe I have found the connection as to how you know Nightingale got him. Uh, he played like a few games for uh, the NTDP. Um, back when Nightingale was was the coach, so I guess there was already that prior connection there. Says he, um, yeah, he's. I'm reading the bio at least. He skated in one game for the the U18s and appeared in seven for the uh, U17s. And, had and a that's five those seven. That's where Nightingale was coaching the U17s. So that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say. I think. I think Phillips did mention it, but you went into more detail. So that's did good. he actually? I don't. I don't remember hearing the NTDP mentioned at all. Me. I was. I was basically just reading. Um, Nate Bot had tweeted out, so I was just going through. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I was doing shout some, out Nate. I was doing some side research. He does good work. Give him a follow, Nate Bot, or Nath- I think it's Nathaniel Bot is his full ad or something. Something like that covers MSU hockey. If you're if you've seen any MSU hockey on Twitter, you've probably seen him. So give him a good follow. He does. He does heck of good work. But uh. Enough of enough of those tangents. Let's get into America's favorite segment of the week. You know what time it is, ladies and gentlemen. It is the Pickums. Take it away, Stincy. All right. Um. So sorry for peeking the mic there. I know Ryan was getting a little worked up there, but um, as far as Pickums went last week, there really was not much to be worked up about <laughs> at all. It was a bad, it was a bad week. Um, there, there's so, there's one thing to be worked up about. So we're we'll we'll get there in a minute. But uh, we'll, we'll at least recapping uh, last week's for the Big Ten, um, for the one-pointer of that week, uh, the NTDP beat Wisconsin, which we all predicted, really wasn't a surprise. Uh, I They smacked them. I think it was like 6-1 or 6 nothing or something like that. Um, then Ohio State ended up splitting with Michigan. It was like 7-2 Ohio State one night, and then the next night was 4-2 Michigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so Ryan and I each got one point for that. And then the other two, uh, no one, either of us, none of us got any points for these. Uh, 
we all predicted Minnesota to sweep Notre Dame. That didn't happen. Uh, Minnesota split. And then the other one, we all predicted either a split or a Penn State sweep. But for Michigan State sweeping Penn State, we did not get a single point. We are we are bad Michigan State students. <laughs> so no points there. Uh, and then as far as the parlays go, I don't even know what to say. I thought we picked fairly decent ones. Um, yeah. But like... We got, we had one like fair prediction between all of us. Uh, we had North Dakota losing to Western, which, you know, makes sense. Uh, but then we had St. Cloud splitting with Colorado College, uh, Niagara getting swept by Bentley, uh, and then uh, Michigan Tech splitting with St. Thomas. Uh, so none of our parlays hit. And so the. Bring the totals on the week to two points for Ryan, two Woo! points, two points for yours truly, Boo. and then one point for Phillips. Boo. That's what I'm worked up about. So that brings the uh, correct totals <laughs> entering today's pickums to be Ryan and I still tied for first at 38 points. Very nice. And Phillips just slips one point further behind at 35. So that's all. The three point gap is nothing. Let me tell you. In other years, there's been like a 15, 20 point gap. So the, the, you're the, you're the, chilling, Philip. The problem is the parlays this week are so bad. I feel like par- I'm not I'm not able to make I, it up. I, I like these parlays though. I like this new system we do because I feel like it keeps it a little closer. Yes, yeah. I, w- I will definitely agree to that. Um, it keeps because you know you kind of have to you have to be very smart with it, and it's also we like also just never hit them. Um, so we're, we'll try again. We'll see. Someday soon, we, these are bound to hit. We got this. What's the old, what's the good phrase? The great advice they always give you: ninety um, percent of gam or ninety nine percent of gamblers always quit right before they hit big. <laughs> don't listen to that. And don't listen. <laughs> that's not to gambling that. advice. This that's, is not gambling that's, advice. Yeah, that's for legal that's reasons. This true. is not gambling advice. <laughs> um, <laughs> we have a disclaimer at the top of our episode. <laughs> not gambling advice. <laughs> the more I think about it, do do not follow our our pickums for I'm gambling. By the I'm way, do influence. not. Sorry. Let's move on to the first series. Um, first up on the docket uh, for the Big Ten. We have the seventh-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes going on the road to the Cole Center, taking on the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, do we want to spend much time on this one? I mean, there is the one time Wisconsin did beat Michigan. That's cool, but they're not playing Michigan. I, I know. That was at Cole Center, yeah. The, yeah. Good point. Because it was a pretty convincing... Michigan scored on themselves like on the face-off uh-huh. or something, yep. right? Yep. yep. Neutral, yeah. neutral zone face-off goes all the way back in, into an empty net against Michigan, so... I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, I don't think it makes. I don't think it makes a huge difference. It doesn't. But anything to try and get you guys to pick a split. No, we all have Ohio State nah. sweeps. Moving on. Okay, <laughs> next on the list, uh, the team that Michigan State just played last week, uh, the number six ranked Penn State Nittany Lions taking on the unranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish from Pagula. I have a split. Um, Penn State. You know, a good team, but Notre Dame's kind of coming back a little bit. They went through their bit of a slump. I think, you know, they've played, Notre Dame's, I think, finding their footing again. They're splitting with some good teams. They split with Minnesota, I think, what, like last week or something? Or two weeks ago? It was um, last week. Yeah. So there you go. Duh. Um, but yeah, I think I personally, I've got a split here, I think. I got faith. I got faith in the Irish. I'm going crazy brazy this week. I'm picking all sweeps. Give me give me Penn State. They're angry. They're going to be at home. Their fans are going to be rowdy. 
Uh, Notre Dame, I'm I'm finally off the Notre Dame train. I th- I thought they were going to have a really good year, and it's just been very very mid and lackluster. So you know what? Because of because of that Irish, I'm picking against you. Give me Penn State with the sweep and the two points. Thank you very much. So I did have a split markdown, but audible, audible. I I am calling an audible here, <laughs> and I'm actually changing in favor of a Penn State sweep. Blue number six. Because if it hits, if that hits and my next pick hits, then I could potentially overtake the, I could overtake at least Eustenson. Ooh. And out of all of the picks that I would want to bet that on, Penn, Penn State hosting Notre Dame is probably the most solid choice I can have. Mm. It's playing the long game. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Playing the system here. I myself was feeling a little bit frisky this week, and I personally, for this next series, had penciled down a Minnesota sweep to over uh, the University of Michigan. And then I thought about it a little more, and I also thought to myself, I don't want to have the exact same picks. We've been doing this for how many weeks now, where we all pick like the same thing, maybe one, maybe Phillips picks one other thing that he gets wrong and falls a point behind. Um... But, you know, largely the same thing. Let's not forget the points I got for picking different and ended up in first place for like four weeks. Look where that got you. Um, (laughs) So far. Only three points down. That's not bad. (laughs) Sure. but We're smack talking each other. But regardless, right, um, I, I looked at a little more. You know, Michigan is still, you know, an incredibly talented team. They are very inconsistent. But... They are very talented. I think, if I'm correct and looked at this right, they've only split, or they've only had one series all year in the Big Ten that wasn't a split, and that was the time where they had to uh, start their third-string goalie on um, on the wing. God, I think why'd you have to pull that up? Now I want to change. I'm not changing. I'm keeping it. We're- I need. I need to. Yeah, their third string goalie as a fourth line left wing. Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what it was. And that was also against Minnesota. But true. Again, every now that that's not happening, and there's not the game that probably shouldn't have been played to begin with. Um, and now that everyone has you know a full roster and whatnot. I got a split, and we're moving on with that. Minnesota hammered Michigan State. 5-0 and 6-3 when Minnesota came into Mount Ice Arena. When Michigan and Michigan State have played, both 2-1 games, both going in each other's favor. I Michigan's got the talent. They're just inconsistent. And it shows by them getting splits. They'll, they'll have a bad game. They'll lose. They'll come back. They'll win. They'll have a good first game of the series. They'll come back the next day. They'll lose. They're too incon- inconsistent for me. It's number two team. They're at home, and I've seen them in person. That top line is crazy. Snuggerud, Cooley, whoever else. Matthew Nyes. Nyes. It's just, it's enough for, for me to pick them with the sweep. And like I said, I'm going for all sweeps this week. So give me the Golden Gophers. And I'm the more that I stare at their logo, the more it just seems like it's a W flipped over. Like, do you guys see that? I mean, it can be, it, it, you can say that, the same for Michigan, I guess. Isn't that basically just the but letter like, M in general? I mean, yeah, but like the what, way what, the way Michigan's a, block M is made. What's the it reference again? Doesn't you look have like... it set to M for mini. It should be set to W <laughs> for, for a wombo. W for Wisco. This is such a I weird. I love that you pulled that out. I love that you pulled that out. 
I, I'm oh. feeling like delusional. I'm making all sorts of weird <laughs> references tonight. Man. SpongeBob reference, by the way, for people who don't know what's going on. If you didn't get the reference, then that's your own fault. <laughs> Go watch SpongeBob. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am confident in my pick because I don't know why you would be. Because Michigan... he's copying me and I'm tied for the lead. <laughs> no, it's he's more... He's not copying me and I'm tied for the lead. <laughs> there it has not been a team I've seen that has impressed me like Minnesota has. They have played... I mean, that game was just something else. Which which game? Minnesota, Minnesota when they came to Mon Ice Arena. I'll, Ooh, I'll clarify. It was something else, something I didn't want to see, that's for sure. It was like watching a whole different level of college hockey being played right before my eyes. Uh, and... Michigan, like you said, is inconsistent. Yes, I know it means that they're just going to split, but I think Minnesota, coming off of a split to Notre Dame, which sounds bad, I think they're going to go into this game looking for a sweep more than any other game because splitting with Notre Dame is just atrocious for Minnesota. And I think that's going to make them hungry for this game. So give me Minnesota to take two dubs, on the Olympic sheet. If you say so. All right. Uh, that's going to wrap up uh, the Big Ten pickums um, for the parlays because you remember, I remember last time I told you guys I was explaining my reasonings for uh, why yeah. I picked the out-of-conference no teams reasons. I do. Uh, so I'm not doing that this time because I don't want you to all copy my parlay before it inevitably fails. As you copied one of my picks already. No, I was debating that one. No, 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 no. The Jacobs who screamed copy. Sorry, what? (laughs) (laughs) I put it down on the sheet first. Mm. That that is the fact. Let's get the instant replay. Let's let's put the headset on. Let's get the viewfinder out. There was a couple out there that I had predicted, and I looked at them actually. Because I originally did them just picking off vibes for a second. Vibes. Uh, Like I originally had one of them being Sacred Heart over Holy Cross. No. Sacred Heart has hurt me too many times. Because cool Sacred new Heart, arena though for Sacred Heart. That's what Beautiful. I'm saying. That that's what you, I meant off vibes was like that new arena they got. Um but you know, you. I'm like, uh I can't do it. Ooh, for an for a behind the mask bonus point, where is Sacred Heart University located? It's somewhere in Massachusetts. I actually have no idea, so I kinda wanna I, find out. I it's don't a, know. it's in Massachusetts, I know. Every Sacred. every time we mention Sacred Heart, I always think of the T V show Scrubs. Because that's the, the hospital's sacred heart. I'm almost positive. Fairfield, Connecticut. Close. It's the Northeast. It's New England. No, no behind the mass bonus point for you. Even it was New England. I wasn't going to get a point for it anyways. It was the Connecticut. It's all, okay. New, it's all New England. It's all the same thing. Um, it's basically Canada. Yeah. Um, okay. But so what I was saying, lessons <laughs> I've learned so far in these pickums. I think now I'm putting a personal ban on betting on the Atlantic conference like just in general so they're out of my you know things but as far as this goes which is so weird my um since we're on the topic of teams getting new arenas uh it hasn't been built yet but st thomas just got a massive donation for an arena and the schematics of it 75 million something like that yeah it's crazy in one dono yeah that's crazy. That and combine, keep in mind the location as well, and like all the pro, everything else going on with that. St. Thomas could be good in a few years, but not this year. I've got him getting sweeped by Bowling Green. Um, okay, moving on. I also have uh, Minnesota State over uh, Lake State, 
and then I also have Boston College over Vermont. That's all. Moving on. Uh, I got a quick little tidy little parlay. I I was gonna go uh BC over Vermont. Not gonna do that. Screw that. I'm going Minnesota State over Lake Superior State, and I'm combining that with Western uh, sweeping Colorado College. It's at Colorado College, but Western's an absolute wagon right now, and they got the uh, the the goal scoring leader in the NCAA, and they got like oh, they they're just look, they're just looking good. So yeah, my two two uh, two leg parlay: Minnesota State sweeping Lake Superior State, and Western Michigan sweeping Colorado College. Give me the two points. I'm also going with a uh, small parlay because if it if it gave me any benefit, I wouldn't have picked any of these because I think they're all going to split. But that gives me no points anyway, so I might as well. <laughs> Just don't fill out your parlay at all. Just no point. <laughs> so I'm also taking – well, I shouldn't say I'm also taking Bowling Green – you are. I'm, we are both taking Bowling Green. No, no. I'm the, taking Bowling Green. Matter, um, so Bowling Green's a wagon, and i got to hop on the wagon. What? I've never heard the words Bowling Green and wagon Right now, the they kind of are, man. You, what? What are they you're doing? Not, you're not tapped in. You're not I, tapped into this. I, I said Bowling Green's better than everybody expects, and then... They've won six in a row right now. Okay. Okay. Not not to mention St. Thomas... Um, I don't care if the yeah, wins. Green, I don't care if those split. wins were RPI, yeah, Lake State, and Bemidji, but still, <laughs> a win is a win. Six in a row. I I put those on the same tier as St. Thomas. So, I'm explaining my picks, and I told them I wouldn't do this. I need to say Thomas beat Tech last week. I made you the pick they're... beforehand. No. It doesn't matter. Anyway, I picked Bowling Green to beat St. Thomas to sweep St. Thomas, and then my next definitely shakier pick. I'm taking UConn to sweep UMass. UMass going down. This is like yeah, UMass, this is like backwards of other hockey years. Usually it's UMass on top, UConn in the dumps. Now it's UConn ranked 13th against UMass. It's doing decent, but it's like flip flop. They're not year. ranked right now. I think yeah, UMass has kind of had a bit of a down, down year. Yeah, yeah. Keep you, in mind they lost winning the championship. Remember, the, remember that ago. tournament I told you about? They lost to and yeah, the, the Holly tournament with uh, yeah with Clarkson, Wisco, and Lake State in it. And they Quick lost. trip holiday <laughs> face off. Yeah. K W I K, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. K W I K. Of course, that's oh, how you spell trip. quick, guys. It, it's a Wisconsin thing, apparently. It's not even the good it's not even the good quick trip. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a journalism major and you spell quick K W I K. Didn't we have this one? We had this talk radio uh, over like Yeah, I know. Sure. It was the it was the one, it was the episode I think we had that actually never got posted. Ah, dang, that was a good episode. Um uh, gosh dang shit. Nobody picked Lindenwood against LIU, the the biggest series of the week? Are you kidding me? Uh, how, how did nobody pick a sweep there? I would want to put on for my city, but I do not trust <laughs> Lindenwood to, to, to do anything no, this year. Oh, Both oh, of these teams oh, are recent D1 schools. Yes. New, new yeah, programs, uh, yeah. and they're not very good. Yeah, to, to I, put I it love, lightly. I love LIU Sharks logo, though. Beautiful. It, it, look, it actually look up is their, really nice. Look up LIU or Long Island University hockey jerseys. We saw Beautiful. them. You should have yeah. seen them already. Well, you didn't go to the game. Come on now. Well, I'm just, I'm talking, just educating the people. I mean, I'm talking to the people right now. Yeah, you I'm, didn't go to the, if you didn't watch the, the game. Some, come some on, beautiful now. jerseys to look at. You know, you, you didn't get to watch Jagger Joshua put up a hat trick against like some of the best jerseys in the college hockey. True. Exactly. So we're, we're pickums, pickums wrapped up. I think so. Yeah, uh, they're, they're not cool. going to get any better. It's cool to see that I'll be leading after this week. That's nice. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. Ouch. Um, 
So uh, this will this will wrap up this episode. Obviously, no MSU games this weekend, so we won't be producing game content. But Stincy's got some articles coming up, which yeah, go ahead and remind him again. Uh, doing a little bit of work on recruiting right now. Um, we're gonna I'm gonna try and get that out, the, out by the end of the week. Do a little you know weekend content for you. Um, but that's about it. Um, nothing too crazy. I'm looking at these parlays now. Uh, I'm calling it now. The way this is gonna go. Uh, so the splits are going to hit for me, correct? Uh, but Ryan, so that means I would take two points up on Ryan. But then Ryan's parlay of Western and Mankato is going to hit. Um, so that's two points for him. And so we're going to mm. be back here at the same time, tied again at the same score next week. Because that's just how the world works. Yeah. yeah but it, no, how, how the world works is that everything I pick hits, and all of a sudden I jump back in first. Shut up. You know that's right, not true. Yeah. You know that's not true. It's how the world would work if I ran it. I'm being mean today, man. I should. I need to stop. <laughs> Speaking of stop, we're about to stop this episode. Next episode will be obviously next week. Hopefully coming. Hopefully, hopefully we get a regular schedule of releasing these like Thursday morning. Now that we got a set schedule, so keep your eye out for that. We'll we'll try to get them out Thursday before noon. But like I said, that'll wrap up this week. Next podcast, we will preview the Minnesota series. Obviously, no hockey this week too recap so uh we'll see you guys in about a week's time uh stay safe watch some hockey and i don't know just spend time with your family yeah yeah give give them a hug or two you know go call your grandma she probably heard yeah call your grammy yeah or your grandpa whatever okay we're out of here thank you guys for listening so much to this episode behind the mask rounder dosovich join alongside jacob stinson and jacob phillips you guys have a good week 